The following was recorded during the COVID-19 pandemic through Zoom meetings in accordance with local health guidelines. Hi, I'm Mike Maloney, and welcome to this special CSRM podcast series exploring the book Sports Outreach Fundamentals by Dr. Greg Linville. Joining Dr. Linville is Dan Stoffer and Andrew Fouts. If you would like to purchase your own copy of Dr. Linville's book, visit our store at csrm.org. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another CSRM podcast. We're joined once again with uh, Dr. Greg Linville and uh, Andrew Fouts on staff here at CSRM. And we're continuing to talk about a great resource. We encourage you to get a copy if you haven't already, The Fundamentals of Sports Ministry Outreach. And uh, we have been working through Chapter 6 and uh, really digesting uh, these things called continuums. Um, And today we're talking about continuum number five. And Dr. Linville, it's all about evangelism, but a very specific kind of evangelism. Why don't you dive right in for the sake of time and tell us about this continuum? Again, continuums are not right or wrong. Uh, They are continuums, and you you try to find the the, the golden mean, if you will, the, the old Aristotelian thought of the golden mean. What's the best way for us to approach this? Uh, historically, we need to talk. Roman would greatly mean that this would be how the Roman church approached things. And the Celtic would mean how did the Celtic church do things. At this particular time, we're talking about the first six centuries after Jesus, and they were all Catholic. It was all the Catholic Church at that point. And so we're not trying to disparage Catholicism, or if we haven't got to the Protestant thing yet, it's just how did the church go about it? And there's a, a great book that we refer and we often can provide for people called The Celtic Way of Evangelism, Dr. George Hunter, who spoke years ago at our CSRM summit and helped us understand a lot of these concepts. And so we're building off of that. But the, in a, in a nutshell, the Roman perspective was that you had to become like us. And then when you, when, when you became like us, then you could actually come into our community or our faith. The Celtic said, no, it's the faith that helps you become like us. And, and so it's kind of a perspective of where do you start? Is it the chicken or egg kind of concept? And so the, 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 the Roman said that you need to be civilized. You need to speak our language. You need to, to, to do all these things and you need to become a Christian before you can become part of us. The Celtic said, we're going to become part of you. We're going to come to your community. We're going to engage in what you engage in. And we're going to live our life in such a way as that maybe you can see something that's attractive. And then seeing that, maybe you'll start to ask us questions 
Why do you do that? And that gives us an opportunity then to share our faith. And you are already part of our community. You haven't made a profession of faith. You haven't become baptized. You haven't done any of those things. But you're part of us. We're part of you. And it's out of that then that you start your faith and you come to believe. It goes back to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, of the five Bs, that you belong before you believe. And that was the Celtic belief. Now, in that sense, I'm thinking that the Roman and Celtic continuum, the Celtic was a little more right, if you will. But it's not totally right and that the Romans says there does have to be a time that you actually make this commitment and you're not just part of our community but you actually have to go deep in your faith you have to start it and go deep so yeah that's a little bit of it what other questions do you have I think you already pointed out you know we a continuum is not something where there's a right or a wrong necessarily it's one that we want to find that middle ground yeah we you know, we, we are big on the evangelistic disciple making the five B's, which is definitely more Celtic in its style. But we also understand there's definitely, you know, certain situations where it's the Roman style has to be there. Um, you know, I think, you know, the difference between a sports ministry and a church and somebody that's doing maybe sports ministry and like a correctional system style of doing things a church probably needs to be leaning more Celtic, whereas if you're in a correctional style, you're probably going to need to lean more Roman. It, it all, again, goes back to you know the strategically relevant style of your evangelism. It's not that even though we are very big on the five Bs and belong before belief, we do understand also that there are times where you do have to have some signs of change before we can really let you fully experience what we have going on. Well, it also, it also helps us understand all of that is correct. And it also helps us understand the role of the sports minister or the ministers of the church. The, the, the Roman perspective is more that they're a chaplain or an administrator, or a CEO, they're, they're running and organizing a church. But for the Celtic, they're an evangelist. They're the person who's going out, and they're more of a shepherd or a reformer. Uh, the, the, the Roman perspective is more that, that they have a citadel or a fortress, and, and, come, and come and join us, we dare you, almost. <laughs> Uh, whereas the, the Celtic is, they're already in the marketplace. They don't have that facility. And so now think about your church, my church. Let's think about churches. Oftentimes we have that fortress mentality. Sometimes our churches have even been built like that. Uh, you know, in the Martin Luther hymn, you know, it, it, all, all those kinds of things that, and Martin Luther's great reformer, don't get me wrong, don't send me letters, but, you know, the, the, the idea here is that are we building this place that is a retreat and you've got to come out of the world or are we going into the world? Are you, is your church encouraging your people to come to church or go be the church? And, and that's the difference here. And so we need to be more of that evangelist, that shepherd, more than that, that priestly administrator or 
chaplain. We need to go into the marketplace. And it's, it, it's got to be earthly. When the Celtic evangelists went in and they weren't getting any fish out of the river, they went down and blessed the river. They prayed that the Lord would give the river fish so that they could eat. It's very earthly. And it's, it's neat to think about how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. But most people are like, what? I, I just, maybe, maybe more, I'd rather learn how to ballroom dance. And, and that's part of how you can use your athletic facilities sometimes. And Greg, one of the one of the differences too is about um, how we impact culture, and so kind of break down the uh, the difference there. How the culture is supposed to be impacted and change uh, between both of those different ways of uh, evangelism. It's a great point, and great great insight because when we talk about this, we talk about reformation in two ways: reforming the individual so that they actually are transformed. They come to a faith in Christ and they become a dedicated disciple over a lifetime. And then it's through them that society becomes reformed. And so we often think about, are we trying to reform or transform the sports culture or the sports person? Well, it's both, but it starts with the person. You can't reform the culture without having people that are reformed. And this is where we really start to see it happening. And the more that we can produce athletes and coaches that go into the system and say, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to do that, we're starting to reform the system. And that's so important. And, and obviously the Celtic is going right into the world and transforming it through transformed people. And so on a very practical level, um, if you have a sports ministry and you, you are more Celtic in your efforts, um, you may have people, teams that go into a city league. Uh, tell us more about that because there may be a lot of people right now, they've, they've done a great job. They've got leagues, they've got camps happening on their campus and it's really their people or it's come to the church and, and be a part of our league. Tell, tell us about going out into a more secular league in this Celtic way of uh, evangelism. One of the churches that we, we work with uh, in the Pacific Northwest of the United States, they started in March and they had a draft for their softball league. And it's based upon a you and who. You are the person, who is the person that you're gonna recruit. You can't play on a team if you don't recruit somebody. So they play the whole summer. They go into this league, they play the whole summer. And then they would go to a fall, like in September for four weeks, they would go to different parks and they would have a thought for the day, a vesper. Again, then your barbecue bubbas are out there cooking and then the people come in and they play volleyball one week, play softball another week, they ski, you know, they, they get behind a boat and ski at a park and has that kind of thing. And then the pastor of the church would give that two to five minute thought for the week. Now they invite them to come to the, the Christmas. The next thing's coming up is Christmas. Come to our Christmas Eve service, come to something. And then out of that, make a New Year's resolution. 
repent, but make a New Year's resolution and start to think about coming in the, in January from this, that, the other thing that we start to explain Christianity explored some of those other things that churches use around the world. And it's not at the church, it's at a restaurant or somebody's home. And then they come back and say, now start joining us for Lenten series at church. Come to Easter worship service. And you start all of that. But here's one of the things more specific to your question, and that is, how did the guys come to that softball league to start with? It's often because you take your better players who are committed to gospel and enter them into an open league as well as having your own church league. And if you can do that in a couple different sports, you're constantly going outside into the community. You're, you're starting to get those relationships and then inviting them to come in and join this other league that's at your church. That's that we've seen really effectively. That's a combination of the Celtic going into the community and bringing them into the Roman community and letting them experience the gospel. Now, answer your question. Great. I wanted to have you speak a little bit on this before we, we, you know, if you are, you know, this is one thing that I at least have noticed is that certain denominations stick to one side or the other on this continuum a lot, as far as their training style and things like that. So speak a little bit to whether it's the sports minister or the senior pastor, or, you know, just a lay person in general, if you, if you are in a church where you see you either are, Die hard Celtic or die hard Roman, and you are noticing that there is not much fruit coming out of it. And you think maybe we need to start going the other direction on the continuum a little bit or start trying to meet more in the middle. How, talk about a little bit, how would you start those kind of discussions within your church as far as saying, you know, maybe we need to adjust our approach a little bit here as far as evangelism and discipleship? Well, it really is the question, isn't it? And we, the reason that we use the terminology evangelistic disciple making is because it's a both going and it's also a bringing or developing. And it's not an either or. And so the evangelistic part is to go, obviously. And so if, if you're in a church, you're in a local congregation and you're not bringing, you're not going, therefore you're not bringing then you've got to figure out strategically how and where and when can you go. And that's going to be different for different churches. And it, it may be that you go and join a bowling league. Or maybe in Canada, uh, you know, you get on the ice. And, and uh, you, whether it's, it's hockey or curling, you, you join a curling league, for crying out loud. Uh, and you personally do that. And then, but the leadership of the church might envision ways to encourage people to do that and then say, go do this. But then there's got to be something that you can bring them back because at some point they do need to get into that Roman church. That's where they need to grow. How do you do that? It may be that you went out 
individually to the curling league, but maybe the church now does their own curling league. They, they rent the ice for a particular night every week, and it's a family, whatever it is. It's a step-by-step-by-step into that. And I, and I think that if you're the Celtic church and you're reaching all these people, but none of them are in, 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 ending up in your congregation in any way, shape, or form, you got to really rethink about what do we develop from getting out there in that league to getting them into our league to getting them into the next thing, kind of like I just said about that church that went around the calendar and they envisioned it. So your points are, it's got to be a vision. I think Daniel said, it's got to have an overall vision of how this fits in to the church and the church growth and reaching out. That's great, great perspective you guys have. If if you uh, are a church that is doing a curling ministry, please let us know yeah, and send us video do. because we would love to see that. I think that would go down with the cow wrestling out of Madagascar <laughs> for our, our top top approaches. Yeah, and I would say both kind of curling ministry. Like if you got the beach muscles going, or if you actually do the uh, Canadian uh, sport as well. So, Greg, when when I think about this, I think about I'm going through a study of my church right now through Galatians. And I think about Galatians four, where, where Paul tells these Galatians, like become like me because I became like you. And if you remember in in Philippians three, he said, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. And he's like, I, I left the law. I became like you Gentiles, you know, don't, don't go backwards. And so when I think about the Celtic way here of reaching people, um, I, I, I love the idea of I'm going to do my best to build relationships and, and uh, be non-threatening, uh, not ashamed of the gospel whatsoever, but lay the groundwork and develop an overall strategy so that when the time is right and I've earned that trust, then I can share. But I'm not going to expect them to become like me, who, you know, have been following Christ since 1989. I'm going to go to them. And I think for a lot of churches, um, for a variety of reasons, a lot of ministries, we've lost sight of this. Uh, we've run from the world. I think you said it earlier. We, we've, we've run. Uh, we probably are evaluating right now whether we have a philosophy at all yeah. for reaching people. Um, and we're just expecting people to, uh, to come to us. But tell us in our remaining couple of minutes here, tell us how you saw, even though it happened way after his life, but the philosophy of the Celtic way of, of uh, evangelism, how Paul lived that out in, in his ministry. Well, he, they couldn't keep him at home. No. <laughs> I mean, this guy was all over the world. Yeah. And, and he learned it from Barnabas. Barnabas took him back to his island where he was from, Cyprus, I believe it was. And he reached out to the, the government leaders there. And it was constantly going out. Here's an interesting thing about Paul. Think with it for a second. Barnabas introduces him to Peter, to James, uh, like the half-brother of Jesus, James. And these are the church leaders. And they didn't want to meet with this one. He he'd, uh, martyred Stephen and others and thrown him in prison. And they, they kind of do it because Barnabas said to do it. But then they say, go, go back to seminary, you know. Go learn how to do this. 
and I don't know how long it was. You guys might know better. I, I, I have a memory it's like a dozen years. We don't hear anything about that. And there is no biblical or extra biblical records of any person or any church or anything that Paul did for the gospel. There's no record of anything that happened during that time. When did it start? When Barnabas went up to Tarsus, found Paul, and said, I got a church for you. It's an Antioch. And it wasn't until he mentored and tutored Paul that Paul began to be able to go do what he did. And now, think about all the churches, all, all these books, Philippi, Colossae, all these places that he wrote to because he started churches there. The people, Timothy and Titus and all these people that he wrote to, because that's when Paul took off because he learned from Barnabas this Celtic way of not just staying at the temple in Jerusalem and everybody come, the attractional model, but the go model. And he learned it from Barnabas and he, he, he mastered it. And even though they split, and that's another thing we can talk about, but the, the truths that Barnabas passed on to Paul and that he passed them on to who? All these guys. We can't pronounce their names, but the spell them. Paphroditus and, and Aristarchus and who knows? But they were all these people, and he went to them. I don't know. Did I answer your question on that one? Yeah, I think it's good. I think it's it's fascinating to to look through the uh, New Testament and just kind of see um, after Christ went back up to be with the Father, yeah. and the the church just took off, and it was because of a philosophy like this. And you're mm -hmm. exactly right. Paul received this way of ministry, this philosophy, and it took off, and he poured into people, and uh, he understood culture. And uh, he, he leveraged culture in order to, to reach people. And that's what this continuum is all about. And, and Dan, I think, yeah. let me grab hold of one thing. Yes, yep, yep. Because another reason why it spread, sometimes the, the people at Jerusalem, they didn't want to go out. Yeah. They wanted to remain Roman. And a persecution came and it sent them out. And then... How did that church in Antioch come together? When you look at that, it was from the people that were coming from these various places in the world that somebody, because of the persecution, had gone out and reached, and then they came back and got their training, so to speak, at Antioch. And I think we're speaking to a lot of places in our country and a lot of places in our world right now. Yes. That the persecution is that God is sending out the Pauls and the Barnabases to the world. And we've got even some of our own staff people that have been thrown out of their countries, um, indigenous folks. So even persecution, God won't let his church stay in that fortress. Amen. And if we don't want persecution, then we should get out of the church, <laughs> get out and go, get out of the physical church buildings. Absolutely. Oh yeah, man, Jesus. I just opened up a big can of worms. No, no, it's good. It's it's really good. And and Jesus said that we should expect persecution, yeah, and yeah. Uh, we're blessed when we receive it, though we might not feel like it in the moment, uh, but that we should expect trouble in this world. But He's overcome, and uh, I think this is a a great kind of uh, motivation for us 
as we think about, especially the last 12 months in our entire yeah. world. Yeah. And uh, Greg, I think you mentioned it in an earlier podcast, especially um, over here in the West, uh, what Christianity is facing, uh, just kind of how we're, we're painted with a broad brushstroke as uh, a certain type of person. And uh, with that, there is still opportunity. Yes. And, and it's a Celtic way. So we're out of time. Uh, fascinating conversation. Again, we encourage you, if you've not gotten a copy of the Fundamentals of Sports Ministry Outreach, which would you go ahead and do that right now? Uh, you can do that through the CSRM uh, website. We've been talking about Chapter 6 here for several podcasts. Very specifically, as we end today, we're talking about Continuum Number 5. So read more on your own and with your church leadership. Uh, or your ministry leadership, evaluate what sort of evangelistic philosophy you have and allow God to stretch you and grow you in that way. Dr. Linville, thank you so much. Andrew, thank you so much. Uh, on behalf of CSRM, everyone, we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. If you would like to purchase your own copy of Dr. Linville's book, visit our store at csrm.org. The CSRM Podcast is a production of the Association of Church Sports and Recreation Ministers and their video production house, Overwhelming Victory Flicks. Dr. Greg Linville is the executive producer, and Andrew Fouts is associate producer and editor. For more information about CSRM, visit csrm.org. For more information about Overwhelming Victory, visit overwhelmingvictory.org. The CSRM Podcast is the flagship member of a new podcast network called Overwhelming Victory Radio. For more information on Overwhelming Victory Radio or to listen to our partner podcasts, visit overwhelmingvictory.org backslash OV radio. For CSRM Podcasts, I'm Mike Maloney. Have a blessed day.